1: and welcome
2: to first strike first look here on visa and i'm your host dave ross going to break down the final card of 2022 with the help as we always do each and every tuesday with lou finnecaro you can follow him on twitter as i do at GamLou, and the host of the bout business podcast lou i can't believe it we're gonna have like a month break here after this final fight card of the year, and it's a really good one here on the heels of UFC 282. But very quickly, Lou, I know you've been on fire in the Bout Business podcast, and certainly for VEASAN Pro subscribers here, you can access Lou's picks at VEASAN.com. Last week at UFC 282, there was no drama, because every fight was a finish, until we got the co-main event, and then the main event of the evening, and then all the drama began. We talk a lot about scoring and handicapping, certainly. It's hard to figure out what the judges are looking at. First with the Patty Pimblett fight, uh, against uh, Gordon there in the co-main, and then of course the main event where we we saw a majority draw. What did you make of the co-main and the main event, and how did you feel like the judges utilized the scoring? Did they do it properly in the interpretation of what the UFC is setting out to do?
1: Well, first of all, Dave, thanks for having me on. We're starting by peeling the onion down to the core, and my <laughs> eyes are already watering with that question. But basically, uh, my my thoughts are this, and, and that is the UFC is owned by an entertainment company. And in my 40, 50 years of betting fights, it started as boxing until things started happening in the world of boxing where the fighter that could deliver the greatest payday started when it looked like they weren't really winning them. And and we've seen a couple instances, uh, Sean O'Malley against uh, Jan, that one was an eyebrow raiser, but I think you could make sense of it. Uh, the Pimlet-Gordon fight, uh, uh, very, very interesting. Dana's comments were, well, Gordon was stupid. He should have not wrestled. He should have f- fought the third round like he fought the first two. That's an interesting spin on it. But it used to be that uh, great wrestlers and top control on some ground pound, were an admirable thing. And Gordon surely, I can't think, uh, should be critiqued for his third round when it looked to me like, and to many others, that it was a very close fight. He surely controlled it, I thought, the third round. The Pimlet-Gordon fight, I think, is more than an eyebrow-raiser, and it has to do something with the entertainment group. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I think that the judging uh, state by state is inconsistent. We're judged not by the UFC, but by state fight commissions that are all umbilical to boxing. And therein lies our problem. Mm-hmm. So while Pimlet and Gordon was bad, we have to try and get better. The main event, and I had some semblance of a position on Ankalaev, I don't know that I can really argue with the result of the, that main event. I think I can argue with Dana that, he says it was a, a terrible fight. I don't know that it was a terrible fight. I thought Jan, uh, Jan Blahovic did a great job for two and a third rounds bludgeoning the legs of Ankolaev. And then finally Ankolaev, when Blachowicz run out of juice, got on top and tried to do as much damage as he could. I had to, I think, score around one or two for Blahovic uh, as a 10-8 maybe. Yeah. And so when I go through the gyrations, Dave, I, I see the draw as maybe on the level with O'Malley and Jan and Eyebrow Razor. And we have those from time time to time. Don't let the judges, you know, come to grips with your future. Uh, but the Pimlet and Gordon one was maybe one that bordered on uh, not right.
2: I'm right there with you, Lou. Uh, you and I have been around these games and certainly MMA and the boxing world as well, where it doesn't even rate for me, like a, an all time travesty. These are certainly eye, ra- eye raisers, and judges see fights differently sometimes from their perspective too. I think the, the eye-opening one for me with, with Pimblet was that he won a uh, 29, 28, all three judges scorecards. That was surprising to me that it wasn't even a split decision uh, and the majority draw in the main event. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think there's, there's pathways that judges could have seen it to get to where it was a tie uh, at the end of the night. So right there with you, it's it's part of the the process of of handicapping MMA. Sometimes you you try to see it from your point of view, but you also have to realize maybe what the judges see and how they are uh, scoring these fights might be different from the same criteria that we on the outside looking in uh, might judge and score those fights. So tough decisions. It was a great fight night overall until we got to those controversies of the co-main in the main event. Let's get to this week's card glue because it is Sean Strickland and uh, Jared Cannonier here, the main event, potentially five rounds in this matchup, very tight lines on this one that we're seeing uh, for the weeks leading up to this fight. Strickland, a small favorite minus a dollar 15. You know, he, he kept his hands down against Alex Pereira, and that did not work out well for Sean Strickland. is he going to try a different strategy against Jared Cannonier?
1: Can- or is it going to be kill or be killed? No, the one good thing about Sean Strickland, Dave, is he's true to himself, and and he is a guy that doesn't care. And it's that that I don't give a hoot attitude that makes him go into into fights, that makes him scary and dangerous on one end, but also dangerous to himself on the other end. Uh, was there a plan to ever wrestle Pereira? It, it doesn't look like there was. And if there was, he abandoned it. And so I think with Strickland, you're going to get a guy uh, that's a kickboxer and a street fighter. And he he needs to turn it into a brawl. That's thus his talking of trash and his whole demeanor he 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 just doesn't care now right now that gym extreme couture in las vegas is white hot winning all their fights here the last couple weeks and so he has to ride in with a lot of momentum in this fight cannoneer on the other hand a little more premeditated guy comes from here in phoenix the mma lab cannoneer has fought at heavyweight light heavyweight now middleweight and at middleweight i think he's found himself he's been in with a much more potent elite level of middleweight fighter than his opponent strickland outside of pereira of course and i look for strickland to try and intimidate back up uh cannoneer and i look for cannoneer to meet him in the middle this could be really an exciting fight that takes place on the feet between an explosive power striker and cannoneer and a guy in strickland that's volume he doesn't care and he's there to swing
2: Hey, Lou, I'm right there with you on that handicap. And that's why I'm a bit surprised right now that you're seeing a DraftKings for the total. There's plus money on the under four and a half here, not big plus money, just plus a five, the under right now, minus a dollar 35. I'm kind of with you. I see these guys meeting in the center of the octagon and that could be fireworks. Would you lean towards the under
1: that plus price right now? If you like canonier, here, I think the under makes some correlation sense. Uh, that's exactly that the way I happen to look at the fight. I think if, if it's Strickland, if it goes over, then I think you're looking at a decision that would seem to favor Strickland. Uh, but that would also take into consideration Strickland has the IQ to go five rounds with Cannoneer, and I'm not so certain of that. <laughs> it's exactly my my concern whenever you back
2: Sean Strickland. Like, Where is he mentally going into this fight if he does – the, the smarter things, you can prolong fights. Uh, again, uh, going back to that Axe Behera fight. Didn't last very long once he decided to put his hands down. We'll see if this one lasts a little bit longer against Jared here. Uh Armand Tarzukian against Damir uh, Ismagulov is a, a co-main event. And boy, could this be potentially fight of the night in a three-round fight. Tarzukian right now, a small favorite here, but Ismagulov getting some respect as well. How do you handicap what could be a great co-main event?
1: Well, this is, uh, you know, every year, Dave, there's five, six, eight fights. You really get excited for this is absolutely one of them. And the reason I'm excited for this fight is these are two lightweight fighters that are fighting each other, which shows how razor blade sharp, mean, and unafraid each is because there's no one in the weight class that will fight either one of them. There's mm-hmm. no one for them to fight except each other. Ismagulov coming off a really tough fought war against kutat and he looked great in that fight. He's going to be a little taller and longer than uh, is Sarukin, the Armenian, and he's coming in off a loss to Gamrat To that to many people, myself included, he didn't lose. So he's right. coming in with a chip. He's five years the younger fighter. And while he's given away some physical attributes, I think he's the more athletic, faster, quicker fighter. And I tend to lean with him. He opened a considerable uh, price higher than where we're seeing him right now. I see minus 225 as my opener, and I can see now he's about minus 190. So he's dropped a little bit. Probably right. This fight is going to be a very, very closely contested decision.
2: Yeah, it has come down a little bit here, and I, until we have this conversation again on First Strike on Friday, I'll be interested to see if that money keeps coming in on Isma Gulov here. But he is now plus a dollar sixty, as you mentioned. Tarzukian is minus a dollar ninety. Uh, we got Bruce Leroy back in this card here. When you have Alex Casares against Julian Arosa, uh, Caceres right now small dog at plus a dollar forty. We know what he wants to do that kung fu style against Arosa. Could it be? Could it be effective here in this potential three round matchup?
1: Uh, Well, it can be, but at 45 pounds pounds at featherweight, uh, doesn't really bring any power with him. So he relies on movement, deft defense, and pitter-patter from the outside counter-striking. Yet he's in with a taller, longer fighter, which not only is unusual for him, but it makes it more difficult to stay on the outside and Um, pitter-patter. I like Caceres. He used to uh, work here at the MMA lab in Phoenix. He now is with his family in Florida and having great success. I love the kid. I just think this might be a bad matchup for him.
2: Yeah, Rosa right now is that favorite about a dollar sixty-five is what we're seeing here uh, on Julian Arosa. We we noted some uh, line movement here in the Drew Dober uh, Bobby Green fight. We know how tough both of these guys are. Uh, it was pretty even when the fight came out. Now the money's been coming in on Dober. He's minus a dollar fifty. Do you think
1: that's the right move by the market? Honestly, Dave, I don't. Uh, I'm a Nebraska kid, kid from Omaha. Dobers from Omaha, Nebraska. So I tend to have a soft spot for him. Uh, He's a good-looking kid, chiseled. Been in with really good fighters, Uh, but this fight tends to be, to me, bull and matador, and Mm -hmm. Dobers the bull bull, going to try and take the Bobby Green, and Bobby Green is hard to hit. He he did a masterful job against Rafael Fazeev in a fight that many again thought he won. He surely won the third round after Fazeev tired out. Uh, Bobby Green is dangerous. I disagree with where the market's taking this. And so I'm my uh, position on this fight is, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and get Bobby Green, but I want him at the highest price. So I'll watch this line. If it keeps going higher, I'll be patient. If it starts to tick down, I'm going to jump. But I like Bobby Green in a three round fight against Drew Dober, probably via decision, of course.
2: Plus an dollar thirty right now for Bobby Green, let's see if that number moves up if you want to hold out there in the marketplace, people. If you're on the Bobby Green side, you might get a better of the number uh come Friday. You also noticed that Cheyenne uh, Vilsmas in her match against uh, Corey McKenna, that, that that number is also on the move here and minus a dollar ninety now for Cheyenne, where uh, the comeback here on McKenna is plus a dollar sixty. What have you noted about that?
1: I noted that uh, uh the place that I track opening lines, that McKenna opened minus 145. So now she's swung past the zero all the way to the other side. So there's steam on Young Cheyenne Vismus. and mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Uh, I'll be watching the weigh-ins here closely, but I think that the uh, the other girl, uh, Young Miss uh, McKenna, uh, she's not overwhelmed here and i think this could be a competitive fight i got a little eye on mckenna
2: all right so keep that number of changes before we get to friday uh very quickly lou any other fight on this card that we sit here at first strike first look on a tuesday that you think the market might be moving precipitously by the time we get to friday is there another fight on this card which is very deep that maybe you can identify on a tuesday
1: yeah, early fight in Manuel Cop against the young man uh from Czechoslovakia, Dvorak. Cop mm-hmm. opens minus 160. Now he's minus 220 230. As you would expect, he's powerful, he's fast, he's slick, but I think that that price at plus four forty is an accurate depiction of Dvorak against Cop. Now you're going to get me plus close to 190 plus 200, I have to consider Dvorak again, cop and weight class uh, is a big thing. These guys fight at a buck and a quarter. I'll wait for weigh-ins, but I lean to Dvorak as a live dog in this fight
2: at two to one right now. So let's see if that number keeps ticking up before we have this conversation again on first strike for the full hour on Friday, Uh, very quickly tell the people about the bout business podcast last time of the year, Lou here in 2022, what are they going to hear when they listen in?
1: Yeah, we're we're on a tear finally. It only took me 11 months to get white hot, but the uh, <laughs> last week of the season, the bout Business podcast is 6 17 minutes of final releases that I give each week, that there's a UFC card, as well as my releases on First Strike with you uh, fine people at VEASAN each week. I appreciate being on with you, Dave. And I love to take a quick look on Tuesdays at these fights from an early week perspective. Thanks so much.
2: Absolutely. There's no better time than the present to get white hot like Lou is right now at the Valve Business Podcast. Lou, appreciate it. As always, my friend, we'll talk again on Friday, everybody. The last first strike
0: of the year of 2022 coming up Friday on Decent, the Sports Betting Network.